Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Health Connect South Radio. Now here's your host, C.W. Hall. What is up, everyone? It is C.W., your host here on the Health Connect South Radio show. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. On this week's episode, I was going to run for you a segment that I did with Dr. Brad Fain from the Georgia Tech Research Institute whenever we caught up at the recent 2016 Health Connect South event that was held at the Georgia Aquarium. If you did not get there, I'm telling you what, you missed an event. You need to make sure that you get registered. Follow the website, healthconnectsouth.com, and uh, keep an eye on the calendar. We've got regional events going on throughout the year. And then, of course, the penultimate event that happens typically around September at the end of the year, uh, bringing together experts from around the region that are addressing health concerns on a variety of fronts. And with Dr. Fain from Georgia Tech, uh, they are participating in research, helping uh, developers of various technologies be able to ascertain the extent to which the interface between their technology and the end user uh, is is how effective is that they, so they've developed 600 homes around the city particularly focused on elderly and disabled individuals helping them evaluate various technologies designed to try to help improve their quality of life and it's some interesting work that they're doing there I look forward to having Dr. Fain come back and sit in with us in the studio for a little bit longer chat about what they're doing. But uh, here we go. Dr. Brad Fain from the 2016 Health Connect South event. We're here at the 2016 Health Connect South event. Following the the end of the day here, we're hanging out at the uh, reception now, and I caught up with Dr. Brad Fain. He is with Georgia Tech. We got to talking about some of the work they're doing there and the research and the projects they're working on. And I said, hey, we should sit down and, and chat a little bit about it. So thanks for taking a minute. Oh, absolutely great. Well, share a little uh, information about some of the cool things you have going on. Yeah. So, so I work at Georgia Tech Research Institute. My background is in human factors. And so I, I deal with the interface between people and technology. That's what my, my degree is in. And so we've been applying that across the board looking at trying to figure out ways of which design better technologies to interface with with older adults in general and people with disabilities specifically. So one of the projects that I run is called Home Lab. It's a collection of 600 homes in the Atlanta area representing the diversity of the state um, with users that that have uh, either specific disease states that we're interested in such as COPD, congestive heart failure, or, or managing diabetes and trying to understand how we can use technology in order to assist them in managing chronic diseases. How were those folks identified? I mean, were they was that done in collaboration with physician offices in some capacity? How did you identify your participants? Right. So it was an internal effort with, with Georgia Tech and in addition with some of our collaborators such as Emory and, and Wellstar to try to identify our initial set of researchers, uh, research participants. But after that, it kind of spread by word of mouth. It was uh, people calling up and volunteering to be part of this this uh, this group because they were interested in seeing what new technologies are out there and contributing to the general knowledge of, of what we can do in this area. Yeah. Do you have any examples that have made it from that process and then gone on to actually become available? Do you have some success stories on that, or yeah. are they still early in their in their well, phase? Well, some of the, the technologies are fairly early, but but one of the technologies that we're we're working with right now is a company that has designed a a medication dispensing device 
uh, that can be programmed over the web. So it's uh, kind of a webware technology that can be programmed remotely, uh, keeps up, keeps track of individuals whether they take their medication on time or not, um, and they're going through the FDA process right now. So our our contribution to that project is essentially uh, doing the usability studies, doing the uh, efficacy studies associated with both programming the device as well as using the device. Now, you, you talked also, uh, before we jumped on here, about some collaborations with groups like AARP. What are you finding when it comes to the older individual and their use and adoption of technology, in my experience, now my, my sample size is very small, it's my family, but I was impressed by how the older members of our family took very little instruction on how to use an iPhone, for example, which at first it's almost so simple that it, it, it was almost hard to understand, at least for me, when I first handled it, I'm like, well, it's only got one button, how do I use this thing? Right. But I've, I found that the older folks have a surprising capacity, depending on the technology, to be able to use it. Is that being echoed in your experience? Uh, that's true in some cases, in some cases not so much. So we're, we're certainly seeing it stratified uh, by age. So the younger old, if you will, okay. uh, seem, seem to do very well with those technologies. The, the older individuals in our, in our participants, and they range from 50 to 96 years old, um, they sometimes have a little bit more difficulty, but uh, the project that you referenced was was actually called Project Catalyst. It's still ongoing with ARP, and we were one of the first test labs to support Project Catalyst. Uh, essentially, what Project Catalyst is trying to do is to take uh, best practices, best understandings within a, a particular product category, and see if those product products could be designed better, easier. To, to be easier to use for people that are older. So uh, one of the first categories we looked at was activity trackers, right? Yeah. So we all know activity trackers are typically marketed toward the younger crowd, the more active crowd, people that, that enjoy running, bicycling, swimming. You, you get that through their, their marketing message. But there's a huge benefit potentially for those uh, older adults just to increase their activity level, as we've heard today at this conference. Uh, and so we studied eight different activity trackers within our home lab audience, uh, 92 different participants, over a six-week period to better understand how they integrate this new technology into their lives, what they saw as the value of that technology, and would they continue using it past the introduction. As far as the results, we found that there, there are a ton of barriers to use. 87% of our research, research participants, again, age 50 and above, had at least some difficulty setting up the technology, even though they were smartphone owners and uh, typically interacted with that technology on a daily basis, uh, the act of actually setting up new accounts and pairing devices, yeah. that can be really, really hard, yeah. right? Second thing that we found is sometimes the, the packaging of these devices is such that uh, older adults, particularly adults with arthritis, can't access the packaging itself, <laughs> yes, right? It's yes. a frustrating experience. The anti-theft type thing that you, the purchaser right. can't even break past. That's right. <laughs> and, and you end up you know, pulling out the kitchen knife, the scissors, yes. which can be very yes. dangerous. I, I mean, uh, I we all know right somebody. That. Yes, I'm always like, I'm going to cut a finger off trying that's to right. do this. And it's even more important when when you, you have some kind of functional limitation in your yes. hands. The chances of your injuring yourself is, is quite quite extensive. But the third thing we found is these devices just are not really connecting with the the audience on their own journey. You know, and what I mean by that is 
is when they go to their physician, they, their physician says, you need to have 120 to 150 minutes of active activity per week, right? But what they're getting from many of the activity trackers is a daily step count. So how do I connect those two things? If my activity tracker was, was telling me that I uh, achieved my activity goal for the day or I needed to do uh, certain behaviors in order to achieve that goal, that might better connect with where they are in their journey. Are you finding that those users are able to convey some feedback back to you and to the manufacturer that they can then either redesign or maybe do some course correction in terms of usability that are helping them? So, yeah, one of the really exciting things about the work that I do is being able to connect with the manufacturers and, and showing them where the problems exist, where they have the insights and says, oh, that's fixable. I know how to address that concern. Let's see if we can work together to get that into the, into the next design of the product. So we work with, with companies all over trying to, to build those innovations based on our research. Well, of course, the big mission about around Health Connect South is all about trying to put healthcare organizations together with those that might be partners and collaborations for them to help their initiatives expand. Have you been able to, through your involvement with the Health Connect South platform, have you been able to make some connections that you found to be useful through either developing new new initiatives that you're working on or maybe some of these projects that you're working on now? Yeah, that's one of the most exciting things about this conference, you know, is being able to, to run into colleagues that, that maybe you haven't talked to in a while or, or meet new ones that, that you can form certain partnerships with. I mean, at the end of the day, whatever technology is, is developed has to be usable. It either has to be usable by, by the patient, those that are managing a chronic disease, or has to be usable by a healthcare technician. And human factors plays a very important role in making sure that, that the technology is, it meets the needs of the end user. And, and that's what I do. So, so it, you know, finding individuals that have challenges that, that I can help solve, it's a very rewarding thing. With regards to your work with Georgia Tech, are, are there other resources, whatever they may be, whether they're individuals to participate in a study or partners um, around the community in the healthcare space that are either uh, device designers or whatever the case may be, are there resources that you're actively looking for right now? So always looking for partnerships, right? So Georgia Tech is a, is a great engineering school, but we don't have a medical college, right? And so we have key partnerships, like a partnership with Wellstar and a partnership with Emory, uh, where we can get in partnership with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, where we can get access to the expertise that we don't have internally. So Georgia Tech engineers are always looking for really cool problems. The problem is it's hard to identify what those problems is if we if we sit in our labs all day. Yes. So getting out to conferences like this and understanding what are some of the challenges that, that we can apply our engineering knowledge to to help solve as a part. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Is there a, a website or a place that folks can go to get tied into the work that you're doing through Georgia Tech? Absolutely. So, so Home Lab has a website. It's homelab.gtri.gatech.edu. You can reach me there. Well, super. I appreciate you taking a couple of minutes to talk about the work you're doing. We'll have to have you come into the studio and we can talk where there's not a few hundred people in the background uh, having conversations around us. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Get into it a little bit more. Absolutely. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you.
If you have ideas for us as you've been around Health Connect South, knowing that we're trying to bring together healthcare experts so that they can exchange ideas and come up with action plans for tackling things uh, around health. Uh, if you have ideas for topics that we should cover, things that we should try to bring together some of the thought leaders around the healthcare space uh, together to talk about, please get Get with us through the show page, uh, contact us tab, and sh- shoot me an email. I'll be happy to pass that on and sit down with the folks at Health Connect South with your sec- uh, suggestions. If you've not done so already, you'll see the Apple logo in the upper left-hand corner of the show page. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Health Connect South radio show podcast lives. And we hope you subscribe to us. And that way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to check out whenever it's convenient for you. We hope you turn around and share this information with your LinkedIn contacts, uh, your other social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook. You might just be putting information out there into the hands of somebody that you care about that makes a big difference for them and uh, the things they're trying to work on. Uh, So we'll say thanks in advance to to all the folks that share it with us. And we want to say thanks so much for the folks over at Health Connect South, Russ LaPerry, Shivani and Afshan and uh, Rebecca and Paul over at Ride to Market, all the folks that make Health Connect South uh, the the success it has been over these past three years. I look forward to uh, having more folks with us here in the studio. We'll see you all in a week. Catch you then.